This is the Energizing India podcast. My name is Ravin Mirchandani and on this program, we have conversations with key protagonists of the electric mobility sector in India to uncover roadblocks to faster adoption and key moments that we can celebrate together on keeping the skies in our cities clean. On the 2nd of January 2021, as the world was still grappling with strict corona lockdowns, limited flights and hotels being open, we at Energizing India had the opportunity to travel to Delhi to meet with Reji Pillai, president of the India Smart Grid Forum. When we asked Reji what is the route to the quickest adoption of clean mobility in India, he responded with amazing clarity. A strong government policy focus on converting intra-city buses from ICE to full electric. Reji suggested a government mandate and a ban on new ICE buses for public transport. But in the two years since that conversation, what's happened is classically Indian. There was no government ban and also no overt government policy to change all public transport buses to full electric in cities. But as with everything magical and beautiful in India, it just started to happen. Today, most Indian mega cities, Ahmedabad, Delhi, Bangalore, Chennai, Hyderabad, Pune, amongst others, already run more than 100 electric buses each as part of their public transport system. The miracle happened while the rest of the industry was tracking the launch of the Kia EV6, the Mercedes EQS and the Aether scooters. Quietly and all of a sudden, people in the big cities of India are traveling in greater comfort. Air-conditioned electric buses that are safer and don't pollute the air as millions commute to and back from work every day. This has created a new investment focus with numerous companies from Ashok Leyland Switch, the United Kingdom's arrival bus company, and even new interesting startups that are already delivering electric buses made in India. So, Today, we decided to focus the program on this public intra-city bus sector and we speak with Ravi Panga, CEO of the Courses Group, a very interesting company that has acquired an electric bus tech company in Europe and whose electric buses operate in Kazakhstan, Mauritius, even in Qatar for the FIFA World Cup and now the new Bombay double-decker electric bus that has us all so very excited. Ravi, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Uh, only one thing which uh, uh, the uh, COVID pandemic had taught us that uh, when people say about that this country has achieved 40% of electrification in cars and all that, I keep on reminding them that it's no more country level, it's, it's the global level. So unless we do in, in most of the countries, especially countries like India and all, we are not doing justice to the EV adoption. That's why COSIS as a group has taken that uh, initiative that we will be in the mass mobility because that makes more impact mm, uh, in that and as we all know that every bus replaces 14 to 16 cars and cars are normally a single occupant or a double occupant type of a phenomenon whereas uh, a bus is is what is always crowded and uh, historically when I was growing up uh, in my three years of industry in automobile sector, the definition of a developed country was when people will have their own cars. <laughs> I was right? just going to say that. <laughs> and in yes. today's era, 
uh, I keep on reminding my team members first because you have to do first uh, all the change in the in-house first. Belief in this uh, that the day people use mass public transport system, parking their cars or not even buying their cars, is what I call it as a developed country or a developed economy. So our definitions have changed over a period of time. And thank you for uh, inviting to this broadcast, this very important channel and communication. Thank you, Ravi. So I'm interested, your your career adventure has been quite interesting. Uh, 30 years almost uh, in, the mo- in the mobility sector, you were with Ashok Leyland. Uh, you were head of retail sales and marketing international for Ashok Leyland, uh, managed over $200 million in sales a year. Uh, from there on, uh, you were in IIM Ahmedabad and then even in Harvard Business School doing the GMP program there. Um, how did someone with a stellar career in the automotive sector suddenly decide to be an entrepreneur? Uh, and, uh, you know, how's that journey been? Because being an entrepreneur means incredible sacrifices, personal sacrifices to be able to achieve your goals. Yeah, I think uh, that, that couple of statements what you made uh, has actually given me a flashback of uh, what's been going through for the last three decades. So, I passed out in 1992 to just give you a background in mechanical engineering. And uh, my first job was uh, with a good Indian automobile company, South Indian based automobile company. Definitely I'll share the name of the company as we progress. Uh, So I worked for that organization for almost up to 2020. So it's a 28 year of long journey with one organization. So most of the people uh, used to uh, make a fun out of it, saying that, uh, are you not getting any other job or a company is not? uh, uh," I said, for me, even though by name it's a single company, but I worked in eight different companies within the company. So that's the greatness of the company. So let me first appreciate uh, Ashok Leyland for being what I am. I mean, I'm, I should not uh, uh, forget the journey what I've traveled with them for 28 years. Wonderful company, a graduate engineering trainee uh, to a field person, to a product head, to a process uh, head, to uh, a head of India business for buses for three years to global retail uh, head for three years. So they given me all the flavors of it, right? I have seen all the countries. I have seen uh, uh, in real operations. There is a very important part a mobility place in any economic development of a country. Then when we were growing in the last 10 years, Precisely, I can say that from 2011 onwards, there was this something in me which was bothering me. What is that next big things going to happen in India and how I should be a part of it? I always keep on telling two things about India. India is an elephant. When it moves, it really moves. So when we went to the investors, they were telling us, yeah, yeah, there is a big potential in India, but you know, government, uh, GCC models, it taking time, how many vehicles are actually on road. And really, when we did our analysis, it was less than 1,000 numbers, electric buses whole in the country. And the journey started in 2014 to 2020, six years, 1,000 less than vehicle. Whereas one city in China has 17,000 electric buses. So how to scale up this? So that's where the thought process started. There where the journey of COSI started. And one more interesting thing before we again get into subject is India is our sixth country actually. <laughs> we started with Kazakhstan because uh, 
of the European partner which we have done. They were already doing a small portion of business with them. We brought the scale to that business. They got the Qatar order because on the technical superiority of a product, we fought with the best OEMs in the world. So that gave us confidence. Then we started Indian operations uh, in June 2021 in the name of Kossi C Mobility. From here, we started operating Nepal, Mauritius and few other countries. So India was our sixth country. But as I always keep on telling, India is elephant. When it moves, it really moves. They blessed a startup company like us with almost like 1000 vehicle order. That's the journey. Uh, people of good OEMs getting even 2000, 3000 vehicle order is a part of their business. But for a startup, that's what I keep on telling people. India is a country to be in. And for me, to summary, after white revolution, after software revolution, is the EV adoption revolution which India is going to take out the world. Whether it's a charging site, whether it's a green energy, or whether it's a buses, or with the delivery trucks on the EV side, India is the market to be in. And we are very proud as a cost to be here. Exciting times, in fact, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, so you're now in Kazakhstan, in Nepal, Mauritius, um, British incorporated German technology. You have in India Switch from Ashok Leyland that's making electric buses. Tata is making electric buses. You've got JBM and also um, Pinnacle. Electra. Yeah, and, 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 I forget Electra, yes, but the GBT, so somehow they have a blind <laughs> spot in my mind. But yeah. Yes, you're right. Um, you, you have Electra, so. Now, but you're, you're in fact a global company. So how do you position yourself? Who, who do you consider your competition? So. Uh, for us, uh, competition is definitely uh, ICE place, mm -hmm. internal combustion engine place. So in that format, uh, companies like Tata Motors and Ashok Leyland, uh, Volvos, they are definitely our competitors. Uh, but when it comes to e-mobility place, whether it's a switch or whether it's a Tata's e-mobility wing or mm -hmm. whether Ulacra or all, they are competitors still to the tender stage. Mm -hmm. Once you win a tender, it's all about collaboration. Uh, mostly, I have a personal thing, it's nothing to do with courses, but personal, that the market is so huge that everybody should get an opportunity. So today, the leveling ground has to be that it's not OEMs versus startups, established OEMs versus startup. If you don't give an opportunity to startup, uh, then how the adoption process will improve. So in that context, I don't think uh, uh, the big OEMs here are any competitors. For me, they are collaborators. Mm -hmm. And end of the day, I'm very honest with you that I've been three decades in the Indian automobile industry. Mm -hmm. uh, we are same, like mm -hmm. we, we exchange notes yeah. uh, end of the day, mm -hmm. we know everything about it. Mm -hmm. uh, the support of all the big players and the startup companies, especially the companies in the charging infrastructure side is very important. The green energy is important, you know, uh, green finance is important. So it's not about competition. It's about how the facilities in terms of charging infrastructure uh, and the green energy and the green fundings available in the market, that's going to dictate the adoption. So I don't think uh, we are worried about any competition. Nobody should get worried in the, by competition. It's more availability of this thing that will get the fast adoption. Absolutely. But your business model is slightly different as well because you, not only do you make the bus, but you also operate it post-tender. So you're, you're actually earning your money per kilometer for passengers that are transported around cities, which I expect not everybody else is doing because you're, you're an OEM or you're an operator and you know the, the 
the two twins that don't work they're in parallel universes almost um how do you bridge that gap because it's two completely different competences and the competence beyond that is also getting your money because you're dealing with local city councils and in india that's incredibly difficult because then you have a whole army of people that are just sitting at the desk trying to get the check um so okay. you know how do you develop that competence as a startup because your exposure is huge in some ways so have you asked this question a year back probably my answer would not been such framed answer but today because this is uh, a question that's been asked uh, right from the board members internally to all the various stakeholders uh, in the industry it's very prominent question as we wanted to start courses as a technology company to be honest mm-hmm. we wanted to do that and we said we will provide all the electrical technologies by german technology and uh, itms a bit part of it so that uh, we are solution providers for that we are not over. then finally we realized that with this funding will not be available for a funding you need to be having a product recurring revenue with a physical product product, yes. a yes. product that creates revenue then we started scouting the part of it then we finally zeroed in we were lucky to be honest as a startup company we got a good german product uh, which is uh, been there in the industry for a decade and when we had product and investors money then we started that the big challenge is charging infrastructure now let me take a minute to make you understand it took 70 years and you operated for example a petrol or a diesel car if tomorrow all the three things like ipcl ioc and bpcl and reliance stops their uh, fuel dispensing system what do you do with your car this is useless piece of showcase in your home and anyway the car utilization is 5% in india uh, i mean private car utilization but in indian system the charging infrastructure is a part of oe while in diesel and uh, all is not so we said we'll invest into the charging infrastructure but that's again a big industry in itself so we started collaborating with the people with with, with approach so we are oems we are charging manufacturers we are funding people we are uh, also uh, green energy people because otherwise you will be polluting from uh, uh, zero emission tailgate to well to wheel type of conversations which happen in industry then to have a faster adoption uh, the indian government said we will go by a gcc model now gcc is a very big phenomenon in india when we have to understand that the public transport system in india is always a loss making venture we have to understand that part of it and it's always funded by government or by agency to bridge that gap what in good word we call it viability gap funding and i will define you that piece is more important so in india the gcc model you have to operate the buses when you have to operate the buses you need to recruit drivers so you are almost like a operator and you have to maintain your buses so to give you a perspective of six box theory we are oems we are charging people we are funders like any finance company we are green energy people we are operators like any operators who operate the buses like bst and we are maintenance people also so six companies when get amalgamation into yeah. one is cosis yeah. okay it's very difficult for oems of current ice to have this even as a concept because they are used to selling vehicles and servicing warranties it's a very different than maintaining the buses that's why it gave us very big because we don't have any past legacies anything it's a fresh mindset fresh thinking but it's a big business model 
now it was very important for us to have right people to operate six parts of the businesses so when we got this contract of BEST and in the future whatever contracts we'll get we normally pick up the people from that section of the organizations the people who know BEST will operate BEST in the name of courses so that you know you get the real part of service so in this whole value chain we are not worried about our business model that's why we are opening up our business model because all the six segments you have to perfect i'm industry man so i know a lot of operators i know uh, the oem side i don't know the charging side but it's a wonderful opportunity for us that indian charging infrastructure is developing as a business mm -hmm. in its own yes at the same time and so we don't have to look to the government also because the iocs of and the reliance petrol pumps are those charging people and it's is developing so our business model we are going to open up anybody who wants to collaborate with us in any tenders they can collaborate with us going forward what we are looking is three things a right mix of energy which should be done by a third party and a lot of people are investing in the hydrogen and in in the fuel cell and the battery side the second is uh, a charging infrastructure when i say charging infrastructure there are two sets within the city and on the highways so i think in last couple of years within city charging infrastructure is getting developed but you will not find on the highways so still people have to depend on ic range of vehicles to go to a city to city transportation i think but things will improve the third and the most important point is the funding it's a green fund that's required because costly funding will only bring back again taxation to that now finally coming to the point which i left in between typically if you operate on a per kilometer basis which was your question currently the system in the government mass mobility i will just take an example without quoting the customer just to give you the flavor they operate per kilometer at a cost of 110 rupees to 120 rupees and the discovery prices in the ev ecosystem which has happened are somewhere between 50 to 60 to 70 right now their cost has come down drastically it is the third party that are doing it so this is point number 1 point number 2 the revenues now are above this what the discovery prices have happened so they don't have to look out to the government or anybody for a viability gap funding so in one stroke the whole viability gap funding loss making issues have got converted into now a viable pro proportion so i think india ev adoption story is a perfect amalgamation of the government and the private operators working to a common objective of giving a environmental friendly same cost without viability gap funding uh, mass mobility solution to the public i think it's a wonderful experiment company has and country has done per se more than the government i'll appreciate my co collaborator partners who have taken now gcc model so you will see that the reluctant ice players have also now got down into uh, gcc model and i'm very appreciative of tata motors especially i'm taking a name of a company whom i respect and admire even though i was working for leland for so many years is they have taken one of the world's biggest ev tender of cesl of 3500 to 5500 buses 
which shows that they have understood the model and they see that this is the way forward in the EV ecosystem. And I think in that environment, the startup companies are also looking at the business model. The OEMs are looking at the business model. So I think it's a good period for India for the faster adoption of EV. Absolutely. So you've talked a lot about charging infrastructure. And one of the problems we've had in India with charging infrastructure is what do you invest in? Um, and that is, you know, do you invest in slow or fast? If you're doing fast, you want to do hyper fast or fast. You want, you know, 60 and 120 kilowatt or 180 to 40. But most importantly, what kind of charging protocol? Because we never took a position as an in industry or as policy, whether we are going to be aligned to Europe with the CCS2 charging protocol or whether we're going to allow for the dog's breakfast that we have today with everything going on. And so, you know, for example, the Pune ACD buses, uh, the Electra ones run on the Chinese standard, GBT. Uh, the JBM buses are made only on CCS. Tata started with GBT, moved to CCS. Uh, I'm not quite sure what Ashok Leyland is doing, but I'm sure Switch would be CCS as well. Uh, what is your view on this situation? Because it doesn't allow for the most efficient use of money if you're going to have buses running on GBT, but all the cars are running on CCS because now you do not have common infrastructure that can be absolutely put to use to, to give you a return on investment to make sure that it becomes ubiquitous around the country so you know you can get a charge anywhere because wherever there's a bus, there's also a car that's able to charge. Um, first up, what's your view on GBT versus CCS? And secondly, you know, what is courses doing? Are you going down the GBT route or the CCS route? So, <laughs> I think it's, it's a very important one, but I will take in the lighter version. So, roti kapda or makan is what the basic safety net of all human beings. Uh, talk about roti, I need bread. So, first of all, if I use that parallel to this, I need charging infrastructure. So, I don't care. I mean, it's not my personal opinion, it's the industry opinion I'm talking. I don't care as long as I have a bread or so-called charging infrastructure. Then that's level two comes, which is called what type of bread? It's a garlic bread or type of scenarios. So what type of charging? So I think now India has uh, come to a stage where uh, it's no more bread. It's the type of bread, right? Whether it's a brown bread or now we have become conscious on that. So I think we have reached that stage. Now. So the new infrastructures that are going to get developed, I think my judgment is it will move to go to CCS version from a totally professional approach. End of the day is the TCO, total cost of ownership is one. Another thing is the technology superiority. It's, it's been well established that CCS1 or 2 or, or Chadmo type of technologies will move on it. So my take on that as a personal take and then I'll come to Kossi's take on it is uh, CCS will rule uh, the roast in, the, in these categories. Kossi's uh, is also believing in CCS uh, part of the technology. Uh, but few of the pieces initially, uh, and that's the point which I want to drive, uh, is compelling us to go, when we went to GBT in the start, is because of the tendering system where the lowest price wins the tender. So, till we move to TFL model, which is Transport for London model, I will explain very short, uh, not in this, but we'll take a separate chapter for that to explain it. First, let's qualify the people for the, for the tendering system. And between those qualified people, let's have a price competitiveness. Absolutely. Otherwise, if you leave it to only price, then and it's a startup company uh, a culture which we want to develop. So one way we want to develop startup startup companies. Other way we said so if you have to match up, we have to go for 
transport for london model where first qualitative uh, uh, tendering is done and you identify four five parties based on your scale of operations and all and then you go for a commercial bidding as a second leg i think that approach is needed then you'll get some quality today service is never given a priority the cost in the tendering system is good so I, i want to probe you on this abhi because it, it it runs very close to our heart because we we make charges and we say we bond global because our charges are not rewarded in india by the quality that we exactly. built into it and so we want to sell to the world not india why because in india it's a zero one game l1 wins and what happens when you got l1 is china because china makes in one day what india makes in a year so the economies of scale are there ease of business index is much easier in china their taxation system their tax terrorists their pollution control terrorists the whole system of how india regulates itself is incredibly expensive real estate is expensive they have an incredible advantage of india so if you have a zero one game it will always be china and yet our system is geared to help china win and then we turn around and we go why is china dominating our economy we need to deliver from china but it's systemic it's in everything the government does in your opinion as a you know you've been in this industry a long time you're an entrepreneur dealing with it why are we this way and what do we need to do to change that i know you said tfl but how do we get to tfl yeah exactly so it's a journey i mean that is the journey uh, which is always a difficult journey but i can tell you more about costs how we are tackling this issue because we are operating now in five six countries we said we are not going to dilute uh, any of our technology uh, part of it so on technology i can assure you that uh, no dilution will happen when it comes to safety when it comes to uh, the motors or efficiency material and all that mm. how we are differentiating is on the quality of interior trims uh, is one approach but interior trims or seats all can make a variation of 10 to 12% that's it not more than that in any bus industry so we have built a business model which is spread out to different revenue streams and i'm very transparent in that revenue stream europe pays us good uh, margins uh, some of the cs countries pays us good margins india is always going to be a competitive market till it stabilizes but one phenomenal change i have seen uh, in my last 5 uh, uh, to 10 years in india people have started recognizing uh, paying more for the quality uh, for the services what they are demanding let me take one example with you and i'm very proud of that example that is volvo so it's the volvo that brought uh, the intercity transportation uh, part of it mm-hmm. and they said oh you are traveling with uh, a volvo that's what it was we are traveling with volvo right. volvo bus so but it was private industry that did it wasn't government there was yeah, no exactly. still so, today no state transport corporation has volvo yeah, yeah. so i'm coming to that so mm-hmm. it's, it's it's a wonderful uh, part of it uh so there is a share of now two things purely initial tendering processes used to only talk about the vehicle revenue not the non vehicle revenue sharing system for example let me appreciate the tenders what we got we also got advertisement rights for our 700 buses so additional revenue streams that revenue streams allow you to, uh, to allow, allow allow us okay. to yeah. to leverage it which was not before in the tendering process uh now the big challenge that is coming for us also is on the manpower cost uh, because we have to pay more to our drivers but the uh, the government used to pay larger amount because of yes the social net and the structures into this so my take on this 
on this particular part is it is evolving and we will involve, evolve to a stage where no startup or no oem can afford this type of a competitive market approach so introductory price arise over as far as i am concerned so when we came to india i'm i'll be very honest at this price levels it was very competitive to convince our board and management but entry points are always allowed but going forward we will have pressures on the discovery prices what's that happen slowly and surely as we gain experiences in the industry because no industry player today has more than 2 to 3 years of experience and now people will demand a uh, electric bus trans- mass mobility transportation and when people will start demanding that i will travel in uh, eco friendly uh, public transport system i think the prices the realizations will go up uh, so the so called loss making era will move to a, a break even era to a slightly profit making era a capitalist era there is one more thing i want to add on if anybody wants to make money in this industry then this is not the right industry this is a industry with little money but more getting impact on on the type of environmental impact and or so it's a fine balance between what we are giving back to the society giving back to mother earth so in cosis uh, we have a department called esg culture which is phenomenally different from the normal traditional companies and we give in that what type of uh, city what type of country we are leaving back to our grandchildren is a philosophy on which we are working so we are a small catalyst in that journey we are proud of that journey we are for margins but we are champagne socialist Nice. Uh, so with that i will conclude that answer that we want to be a champagne socialist uh, which is predominantly two different uh, uh, eras but we'll combine both into a less profit making uh, but industry will survive in that profit so ravi you uh, very well described and thank you for that uh, so you're an oem that's also an operator and you're doing many things downstream many uh, additional revenue streams but in a sense the heart is the oem the making of the bus you're going to make the bus in in india in andhra pradesh i think or, or maybe in pune uh, to start with in pune and then andhra pradesh um the ecosystem isn't mature yet uh, you know whether it's motors drives batteries um cms systems bms systems uh, a lot of that has to come from china um where are you at in this how much of what you're doing is imported um and where do you see the value chain developing to support companies such as yourself so that you can be completely atmanirbhar and and everything is available here I think let's let's compliment uh, the government for the long term vision. Mm. Atmanirbhar is a long term vision mm. and it will have stages of mm. uh, attaining that uh, atmanirbhar. I mean this is absolutely that yes. that's mm. the necessity. So the first agenda for courses internally and I'm very open to share with you is minus batteries we wanted to be 100% either Indian or European to start okay. with. Mm. We we had that inbuilt design principles mm. that's why we have taken eurobus mm. we own the design mm. and we do contract manufacturing even where we dictate on the suppliers everything mm-hmm. so is the battery minus i think all should attempt a 100% uh, dependency on european for qualities and indian versions most of the automobile european companies are today has outlets in india let's take a few examples on the excel side 
or motors side. So whatever you are developing, the best motors in Europe or in the first world countries are available in India. Now coming to battery, which is a very important subject. Battery can be divided into four sections as far as I am concerned. One is the BMS. I think we have reached a stage where we are going to have our own BMS as a collaborative partner. The three other stages of a battery is cell, uh, packaging and modeling of, of that. I think cell is one. It's going to take a while. <laughs> I take a while. I mean, uh, I will not mince words in mind. Mm. But very good news is, even though a cell is dominated by China, mm. but I think now they also realized that they will not going to have a dominance on that subject for a long. But as an industry guy, I can tell that as long as it's lithium NMC or LFP type of a technologies, China is going to lead the battery packs. But as we move to solid state or as we move to sodium based or aluminum uh, metals, so many solid state chemistry batteries, chemistries. So I think the people have realized that if you want to push the envelope on the uh, EV side, I think batteries is the showstopper. Uh, it's controlled by one particular set of people. Uh, so, so it's very important for us to understand uh, that the chemistry uh, battery chemistry is going to dictate the industry. There are certain applications where hydrogen fuel cells will get into. So, so it's a very exciting phases we are in. But I think let's give respect to China for one thing. Okay, they have taken that risk 10 to 15 years back. They're very focused EV driven policies where they are subsidized OEMs to support it. Their unique tendering process where they're segmented uh, chassis uh, operations and batteries into three different tenders within. So I think they're innovators in that space. So we must respect them for that. But they cannot be even stopping on that. They will be, they have to invest on the new battery technology. So for me, as far as cost is concerned, uh, minus batteries uh, will Indianize or uh, it will be more non-Chinese uh, thing it's say. Um, excellent answer and I, I took from that that you are in fact um, agnostic to the technology so long as you're in control of the value chain. If the battery chemistry moves to sodium, if there's solid state, if there's hydrogen fuel cell, you're, you're quite you're quite open to move very quickly down the, uh, so long as you're in control of the value chain and that's you know refreshing. There's a lot of companies who are normally wedded to a technology and it takes a very long time to move. So the last question I'd like to ask you, um, Ravi, and it's a question we ask everybody who comes on our, on our podcast. And I apologize for the very frivolous nature of this question, but it usually gives a very pointed answer. Uh, and that's why we ask it. And the question is this, uh, Ravi, if you had the opportunity to be the Prime Minister of India for one day, just one day, and you could make any decision you wanted for faster adoption of electric vehicle mobility in India, what would that decision be? Wow. That's... So first, <laughs> first of all, thank you uh, for offering such an opportunity. Uh, but I want to uh, take this answer very seriously. I mean, it's very important. Uh, first of all, Prime Minister of a country, like uh, it's a constitutional position, uh, uh, one by mandate by the people. Uh, and I really marvel at that position that chair holds uh, for the country. It's a very important part of it. Uh, and uh, uh, as an EV, and if I get that opportunity, I will not take that opportunity because that's a bigger uh, uh, persona and a bigger thing but as an advisor to that chair I mean I'll, I'll more talk from that perspective and I'm capable to give advisor to the chair not the chair because chair is too big a, uh, uh, even to discuss at our levels uh, so three things uh, I will be more focusing as advisor to uh, honorable prime minister's chair uh, 
is uh, charging infrastructure. I think that is what we'll have to invest a lot on government side. I would like to see a lot of, uh, you know, supply side, demand side incentives flowing into the charging area. No? That's one area where I would be personally recommending this. Second is the focus on the green energy. We are still known worldwide in terms of energy mix as a coal burner. 54% uh, of energy is coming to that. 9,000 uh, gigawatt of uh, energy is required and renewable energies are in few hundreds. So I think energy uh, is one energy mix and energy department like you have NHAI, National Highway Authority like that. We must have a green energy department and a ministry of it to, to do that as advisory. The third and the most important part is uh, as you see that we used to have a railway budget. Now in the new government, uh, we have co we have mixed up the railway and everything into one budget. But I think for some uh, part of next five year, two five-year plans, uh, or Niti Aayog philosophies, we should have some green fund exclusively available for uh, adoption of the green uh, part of it. So green transport budget almost. Yeah, green budget, department, industry, yes. ministry and all. Yes. So, as an advisor, I will give three areas. One is charging infrastructure area, energy mix area, and a green fund. Uh, that's that's the thing I think uh, I look forward to it. Excellent, that's a great answer. In fact, um, every year we have a summit of the entire industry uh, protagonists and decision makers here in Pune. And, uh, we, we pose the question, what needs to happen in the following year um, that we need to address as an industry for faster adoption. And last year when we had the summit in November, end of November, the, the key theme that came out was 2022 is about finance. It's about ensuring that the available finance is unrestricted, not just the startups, but also for bank the banking industry to understand fleet financing so that taxi fleets, bus fleets can be financed because right, they were struggling to get their heads around lithium, battery life, second life, you know, uh, and things like that. So beautiful answer, Ravi. It's been an incredible conversation. Um, you're doing some amazing things, changing the face of public transportation in India. And uh, we're very excited for you, excited for what you're doing to energize India as well. And uh, look forward to the success you're going to have to celebrating those and to having you back on the program very soon. Arjun, thank you very much. And let me appreciate you this concept, what you have brought it to bring the industry people into the same platform. Uh, it gives an ample opportunity for us uh, uh, to, to exchange our ideas. But more than that, uh, uh, people like you, what you're doing uh, is a big contribution to the society uh, per se in, in general. I also interact a lot with the media uh, person in this capacity as a chair, what I'm holding now for courses. I keep on telling them that what we should do is the awareness, uh, encourage people uh, commuters to use more of a green public transport. Phenomenal change I've seen in the Indian mentality mindset in the last couple of years. Even I'm seeing small kids not accepting a green pla plastic bags mm -hmm. in the shopping one. Uh, and it's a phenomenal mindset that is changed. Mm -hmm. So last my take on this is MIST, which I keep on telling it, M-I-S-T. By word, it, it means something. But for me, it's a mindset, M. It's innovation, it should be sustainable, and we'll have to transform. So I think this, these are four different eras and work, but ultimately we'll have to build a mindset which is sustainable, which is innovative, and which is uh, also transforming the thought processes of the younger generation. You are doing a good job in that MIST category. We are also part of a MIST. And I look forward for this interaction uh, with the industry. And wherever you feel that Koshi should be a part of such uh, non-profit uh, initiatives, uh, uh, we are we are there for you. Thank you very much for uh, the invitation. 
and I look forward for the interview. Thank you. Thank you, Thank very, you very much, Ravi. Right. Pleasure. I'm your host for this episode, Ravin Mirchandani. But I would not be here without the amazing Energizing India podcast team. Onkar, our podcast director and the man who makes it all happen in the end, much like a big fat grand Indian wedding bringing together the research data and attention to details all in the timelines to get the next episode out on time. Three Vikram, our podcast co-host and head of research, and Sunil, who along with me is executive producer of our program. The Energizing India podcast is an Adore Digitron production, giving a voice to the EV industry in India. If you enjoyed listening to us today, make sure to follow us on whatever platform you are listening on, whether it's Spotify, Apple iTunes, or our own portal, energizingindia.tv. Thank you very much and see you on the next episode.